This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal, and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. Hello and welcome to another episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be doing a review of The Northman, Robert Eggers' latest film, uh, which for those who don't know was actually my most anticipated film of this year, 2022. I love Robert Eggers. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. And ever since his big screen directorial debut with The Witch back in 2016, I've just been, I guess, fascinated by him. I, I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. He has a real unique voice and I like his, I guess, attention to detail in terms of the little things that a lot of filmmakers might just, you know, throw to the wayside or just not put as much of an emphasis on. Uh, and that comes down to things like the dialogue uh, using, you know, Victorian English back in The Witch and then, of course, uh, using dialogue appropriate in The Lighthouse in 2019, you know, by using actual journals from uh, lighthouse keepers during that time to really nail it on the head. And he does such a great job with that. And The Northman is no different. And I was just really looking forward to seeing how he would handle something with a bit more production value in terms of a larger budget, uh, a bigger cast. And I think for the most part, he does a fantastic job here. The Northman is easily his most accessible film. Still not my favourite. Uh, it's going to take a lot for him to uh, beat The Lighthouse, which I think is his magnum opus. I, I love The Lighthouse. Fantastic film. And I really adore The Witch too. But I like what he does here with The Northman. And I think if you are looking for something a little more artsy and wanting to get into his filmography, this is definitely the entry point for a lot of people. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward uh, with some genre tropes. There's the rumour still that he's going to remake Nosferatu, uh, which I'm okay with uh, because I think he'll do a fantastic job. And I don't really hold Nosferatu in such a high standard. I appreciate where it's come from and I appreciate its place in cinema history. But it could definitely use a redux, and I think that he is the man to do it. Uh, but in terms of what he has done in cinema in such a short period of time, I, I just really like his vision and I guess just the way that he moves the camera. It, it's as simple as just, you know, making a shot feel... Um, I, I guess, real by using, you know, the natural lighting of a scene. There's a really great scene at the end of the film... Um, that uses the moonlight as a, um, I guess, as the the backdrop for this sequence. And whilst there would have definitely been enhancements in editing, it, it just looks really, really clean and really neat. And I really like the stark contrast between scenes like that. Then we have these beautiful scenes at the end of the film in a volcano that just look incredible. And it's just the composition of everything together that just make him, I guess, a better filmmaker than most. Um, both him and Ari Aster, who directed Midsummer and, of course, Hereditary, and he's definitely gone down more of the horror route to begin his career, and I guess Robert Eggers did the same with The Witch. 
Uh, both filmmakers got to start with A24 and uh, Ari Aster's actually continuing this year with Disappointments Boulevards uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, which I'm really excited for. Don't know a great deal about the film, uh, but I'm looking forward to it because I really like him as a filmmaker. But both of them have, you know, gone this route and are both evolving into different genres, taking on different things, uh, definitely risking a lot by doing these types of films. They're not going down the route of the Marvel, you know, the big Marvel spectacle films. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I just feel that if you are going to do something as a filmmaker, you definitely don't want to, you know, sell your soul to Disney straight away. You would love to be able to, you know, dabble in the the stranger elements of cinema and really play with the, that constructive um and different vibe that, that that these films can really you know elevate. I guess you you have directors, um, and uh, I'm going to use Chloe Zhao, and it's no offense to Chloe Zhao because I think she's a fantastic filmmaker. But after making, you know, or winning the Oscar for Nomadland, and then going straight into The Eternals, it just feels like such a I don't know, just not not a waste. I don't want to say a waste. It just feels like she has such a voice. Um, it's a shame that it's sort of, you know, shut down by the Marvel machine where she's not able to direct something that she probably could add a lot of value to. With the Marvel films, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, the, the pre-visuals are all done and it's it's all set in stone before a director actually enters that chair. So her job is really to just film the dialogue sequences and everything else is taken out of her hands. And... With, you know, this film, being a fan of Robert Eggers' previous two films, I can just see his stamp all over it. Um, he did mention that there was a little studio interference with editing, um, and I can understand that, especially given the budget of this film grew to like 75 to $80 million, which is a huge step up from what he spent on The Lighthouse and The Witch. Um, but he's building a relationship now with Regency Enterprises, which he's done two films with now, with The Lighthouse and the Northman, um, and, you know, Focus World or Focus Features being the main distributor of the Northman, A24 being the distributor of uh, the Lighthouse. But he's getting a bit of, you know, street crab with the studios, which is interesting. And I, you know, don't mind studio interference if it's necessary. And I feel like in this film, especially considering the massive budget, um, studio interference is may be important. It's such a big investment for a lot of these studios to put that faith into Robert Eggers. But yeah, I, I think that's enough of an introduction. I think it's time to get stuck into this one. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. So take it away, trailer. Fate has no mercy.
I cannot escape my fate. So The Northman was written by Suyong, I hope I'm saying that correctly, and Robert Eggers, and was directed by Robert Eggers himself. The film stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, uh, Clace Bang, uh, Ethan Hawke, Enya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe, and Bjork. Um, and the film um, comes from visionary director Robert Eggers. Um, is, and it's an action-filled epic that follows young Viking prince uh, played by Alexander Skarsgård on his epic journey of revenge. And I guess that's the film in its simplest form. There's a bit going on here. Um, but I guess comparatively, if I had to compare another film to it in terms of its narrative structure, there's a lot of similarities here to Gladiator. Um, and I guess the main thing being changed is the setting, um, the mythos and mythology around um, the, uh, you know, the Icelandic um, Viking, um, I guess, culture. And that, that's the biggest difference there. And, and in terms of direction, of course, Ridley Scott is not Robert Eggers and vice versa. But this is a very good-looking film, like I mentioned. And whilst its plot remains relatively simple, it's the best way, I think, for us to enter this world with Robert Eggers uh, through the way that he directs the film. And we do get a, a, you know, a bit of a twist, a third-act twist, um, which uh, I thought worked for, for the most part of the film. Um, but in terms of, I guess, where we're at narratively, I'll go through a few things. And essentially, as a kid, um, Helmuth, I hope I'm saying that correctly as well, played by Alexander Skarsgård, but um, as a child, uh, he's essentially uh, witnesses the death of his father um, by his uncle, and he feels that his uncle Fionnir um, is... Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, he's going to get what's coming to him. Um, he's sworn an oath to, uh, you know, um, we hear that in the trailer. Um, he's going to avenge his father, um, save his mother and kill Fionnir. Um, and that's pretty much his whole life. That's what he's trained himself to do. And he finally has an in to get back into the, um, I guess, the, the tribe that they've got or the kingdom um, he poses as a slave and, yeah, we get to see the, I guess, his plan unravel as he wields um, the, the night blade, um, which he receives by battling a Viking under the moon um, in this very gorgeous uh, sequence. Um, and, yeah, this film is crazy. There's a lot going on here. And if you're not familiar with Robert Eggers and the way that he mixes, um, you know, this heightened... Um, a spiritual um, reality with reality, um, then I guess this isn't for you. You've got to be familiar with what he's trying to do here. You've got to be familiar with his themes, the way that he, you know, uses these themes and the way that he directs a scene. Um, for instance, there's a bit of humor in here, which I wasn't expecting, but I mean, there is in The Lighthouse and even in The Witch as well. We do have that dark sense of humor um, through clever dialogue as well. There's a fart joke in here again, which he used a lot in The Lighthouse. Um, and it's funny seeing these sequences in this type of film, especially with the delivery from some of the actors. Like Ethan Hawke in his limited screen time at the start of the film is fantastic. 
really love what he was doing with his voice. He had this very deep voice. Um, I felt that a few of his lines were 80 yard, uh, especially in the temple sequence, but I think that was a part of it because we have like this very trippy um, sequence with Willem Dafoe's jester as he, um, I guess, anoints um, Helmuth into being the next king, like he's the heir to the throne. And through that sequence, um, it, it was very trippy. And I was like, I can see this. I, I was in a quite a busy cinema, which surprised me being in a small country town in Australia and seeing that there were quite a few people checking out The Northman on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and I was quite surprised how many people there were there. And I was honestly expecting a few of them to walk out, especially after that sequence. I was like, people are just going to hate this. I can see people hating it. Um but I think everyone was sort of on board. And I guess even if you watch the trailer, you can kind of understand that there are these mythic parts to it. It's not all, you know, cut and dry. This is reality, which I enjoy because the spiritual aspect of this culture is such a big part of this culture. Um, if you've ever watched Vikings, the TV show, which I know is in gospel, but there is, you know, a lot of historical accuracies there. And I think that, um, Robert Eggers has done his research. We know that he's quite thorough when he does his films. And I think that this is a classic example of that. There just seems to be a lot of attention to detail here again uh, through period accurate dialogue. Um, we have uh, title cards that are interjected um, throughout. And I'm, I'm sure that is in the Icelandic tongue, which I think is really cool. And we just have these, you know, shot on location sequences. There were two moments of CGI I noticed. Um, there's a moment earlier on where they're on a boat um, that was definitely CGI and the end of the film as well. They're on a boat again and you can see the green screen was apparent to me. Um, but a lot of the uh, wider shots, especially when we're in location, you can just tell and you're just sort of you know taking it all in. It's breathtaking to look at. And uh, that was one of the things I loved too about Robert Eggers' film is you're just constantly scanning the screen because of the beauty that you're witnessing. It's just such a gorgeous thing to look at. And I really enjoyed that about this film. I, I just found myself to be enamored by what I was seeing on screen and I just couldn't look away, which is what I want in a film like this. And I, I just felt that it was very, very encapsulating of, of who Robert Eggers is, what his filmography is, and um, I guess the director that he wants to be. And I thought that moving forward, if he was to do more of these bigger epics, I would be okay with it because I think that he can handle it um, as long as that there is limited studio interference and it's his vision that we're seeing on screen. Um, I do know, I don't think he got final director's cut, so I'm expecting there to be a director's cut on the Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, and I would be interested to see if there's additional footage added or if there's things taken away. I, I felt the studio influence there in terms of just some dialogue added here and there that was definitely 80-yard dialogue, so you could tell it was added after the fact, um, where it felt that some of these sequences were maybe over-explained when they didn't necessarily need to be. Um, I'm completely fine with little explanation in certain sequences because I feel that... Uh, you know, if, you, if you're encapsulated with the story, you can figure out what's going on. Um, but I understand that, you know, if you're spending this type of money on a big, large production, then, of course, you need to protect your investment. And that might be the best way to do it is by just adding these sequences just to say, hey, this is actually what's going on. Just so you're not lost. We're good. OK, let's move on. 
Um, and I'm okay with that. That's completely fine. I understand why those sequences are there, but it would just be interesting to see if there is a director's cut on the Blu-ray or if the studio are like, nah, you know, this is the movie we've, we've you know, cut down and edited. Um, and I guess the complaint I would have is in terms of the runtime. Whilst I was enjoying the film, um, it is incredibly long and um, I didn't feel that one moment in particular dragged. I just felt that the story could have potentially been wrapped up a little quicker. We have um, essentially two endings. There's a great um, final sequence essentially with Anya Taylor-Joy's character um, where um, she's, a, you know, an accomplice with uh, Helmuth and, and she's run away. Um, then we see that Alexander Skarsgård finally meets up with her um, and during the, um, while he's healing, um, they conceive a child. He has the vision to say, oh, she's actually pregnant. Um, but he knows that as long as his uncle Fionnir is still out there and his mother's still alive um, and they've got a son, you know, he can't rest because, uh, you know, part of their culture being to avenge, you know, wrongdoings of their family um, and protecting that family. So, yeah, he, he knows that he needs to kill Fionnir um, and his family. And we get a final sequence after that because I, I would have been happier if it, you know, wraps up there essentially. And I, I love the sequence that comes after it in terms of its visual prowess. And um, I guess it's emotional connection to the final product of the story. It's just that you, you had this sequence and then you've got another sequence. It just felt like there's you know, one needs to go, um, but they're both so good. It's so hard. And I understand that it just seems to be like a bit of a minor complaint, but in terms of runtime, you know, every movie is like over two and a half hours long these days. And I would just like there to be, you know, a bit of a voice in the editing room to say, Robert Eggers, all of this is really good, but maybe some scenes could be cut out here and there. And I don't know if that happens earlier in the film or we cut one of these endings. I'm not sure what the, the finite, um, part of perfection is there but um the final sequence uh, we have alexander skarsgård um just fully naked fighting his uncle in a in a live volcano um it's epic it's it's fantastic and it, it's very much needed um I, it's something i didn't think i need to see you know these two dudes completely stark nude fighting in a volcano but man am i happy i got it um great great and like just visual sequence too and i mean we have the emotional heft of what it means um spoiler alert for this section of the film but essentially um alexander skarsgård ends up killing his mother um, finding that his mother ordered the death of his father and even himself um so he was pretty furious um she defends um the the son that she's had them with um the uncle and um, both end up dead. Alexander Skarsgård's like, I'll meet you in the gates of hell. They meet in the gates of hell, being the volcano. Both of them fight, and both of them die. And um, we see that um, uh, vision sequence as well, which I, I think is meant to be a little of like, you know, um, gateway to the afterlife kind of thing, and that the family's going to be okay. Um, that Anya Taylor-Joy is going to raise the two kids and one of them is going to become king because we get these visions during the film of like a family tree and the family tree has grown since then. And all of that was really good, um, visually striking, um, very different as well, but all really important. And I just really enjoyed what uh, Skarsgård's 
does with his performance too. Not that I've never been a fan of his. Uh, I, he's just never overly impressed me as much. I mean, I've never watched True Bloods consistently. I always found I started True Bloods and I remember getting through the first three seasons of the show and I, I really did enjoy it. It was just one of those ones where, you know, more shows were coming out, you know, it was at a time of Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and there was just too much TV and not enough of my time to be able to actually watch them. I would like to go back and watch True Bloods, but Skarsgård's performance here is probably the best I've ever seen from him. Um, I wasn't a big fan of his Legend of Tarzan film from 2016, and I thought um, he was one of the weaker parts of Godzilla vs. Kong last year. But I feel that you know him in an actual performance here, he's just really, really good. He's in a good movie actually called The East, um, which I saw a while ago, and he, he is good in that. But I really liked his performance here. I thought Nicole Kidman was fantastic. I can see an Oscar nomination for her there once again. Um, Ethan Hawke's great in his limited um, performance as well. Um, but I really thought that uh, Clace Bang, which I, I don't know from um, from anything. Um, I apparently have seen him in The Girl in the Spider's Web. Didn't really like that movie and I don't really remember it. Apparently he's in that, but he was really good here. Um, him with long hair is distractingly similar to uh, Tom Cruise from The Last Samurai. And I kept drawing comparison to the two of them because they looked very much alike. It's like, is it actually Tom Cruise? Is it? But it wasn't. But it was just the, you know, um, just the the visual similarity between the way that their characters looked. But he was really good. And considering he doesn't end up really being an antagonist, even though he's, I guess, ruined this boy's life in terms of that, um, you know, it, it, it was interesting. It was an interesting dynamic because you didn't really want to hate him because he built his own family and he seemed to be like a relatively nice guy. We see nice guy in the sense of, I guess, the time period because there's implications that he's, you know, um, he's not a nice person as well. Um, and I guess we see some of those um, some of those sequences on screen. There's, um, you know, um, a bit of a sexual assault um, tendencies there, potentially. We don't actually see anything, but the implications definitely there. Um, I, I just found his performance to be really good, and I thought it was quite nuanced as well. Um, he's not over the top, especially when we're meant to think he's like a villainous character. There doesn't seem to be a, a lot of that there, and I thought he was really good, um, and mainly because I hadn't seen him in anything before, uh, so I wasn't really expecting such a powerhouse, especially in a film that has Ethan Hawke, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, you know, Willem Dafoe. We've got such a great cast here and um, for an actor I didn't know much about to steal a lot of his scenes. I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's really good to see. Um, but overall, guys, this is a really, really good film. Um, I really enjoyed the way that it all plays out. I thought that the direction was really beautiful. Um, not my favourite Robert Eggers film. I would actually probably rank it second. I think I like it a little more than The Witch. Um, but I'm waiting for the Second Sight Films Collector's Edition release of The Witch, which has a ton of uh, new special features, including a 4K restoration of the film approved by Robert Eggers himself. Um, we have like a new commentary with him and I'm really looking forward to watching that retrospectively, I guess, because I've got the original Blu-ray with his commentary on it and it'll be interesting to see how he's grown as a filmmaker and how he looks back on certain things. So I'm really keen on that and I think that could elevate potentially my ranking of his films. 
Um, but overall, guys, this is a recommendation from me, definitely. Uh, it was worth the wait. Um, and if you're looking for, uh, you know, j- just something that's completely different because you're going to get that here. It's not what I thought it was. Oh, I, I, no, it was. It, it actually was. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't as accessible, I guess, as what I thought it was going to be. Being a fan of Edgar's other films, like I mentioned, I just thought that, you know, he was going to delve into the weird a little more than what he ends up doing. Um, but in terms of, yeah, just just the visuals here alone, this film needs to be witnessed on the biggest screen possible. Um, you just need to, to witness it. I can't really recommend it enough, um, and I, I'm not doing it justice by talking about it. You just need to go out and see it because you're not going to know if you like it or if you're going to hate it unless you watch it. But I think the reception is relatively positive. It's like an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's already an 8 out of 10 on IMDb with like over 20,000 people reviewing it. So people like this movie. Um, Letterboxd, it's like a 4.2. It surprises me that audiences are um, as receptive to it as what they are because I honestly wasn't expecting that. But definitely worth your time, guys. Uh, Probably my favorite film of the year, I would say. Love the Batman, but this is more my type of film and I was very impressed with what I got. Like I said, a couple minutes could have been shaved off here and there in the runtime. But overall, I thought it was a really entertaining film. Great to look at, uh, fantastic performances and um, even the sound, especially on the big screen, the sound was fantastic. I I liked the score. Um, The score was, uh, you know, had a lot of throat singing, um, very uh, culturally appropriate which I enjoyed. Um, And yeah, overall, guys, this is a really, really good film. So definitely check this one out if you want to. That's it from me, guys. I'm going to have more consistent podcasts coming at you very shortly. I've gone back to more of a traditional format with, I guess, some of these reviews because I want to get reviews out quicker. And the only way I can really do that is by doing film reviews rather than centering on a specific topic. I mean, I did cover, you know, a bit of Robert Eggers' filmography here, but this is more so just a Northman review and that's what I wanted it to be. Um, But I'm going to have more, um, you know, some different topics coming out. I'm doing a review on Moonfall and um, having a larger discussion of the death of that genre because it's definitely dead. Um, And I thought that might be a bit of fun to do as well, but... Thank you again, guys, for listening and look forward to more great content coming at you very shortly. Make sure you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, And yeah, shoot me an email if you ever want to have a chat or you have some film recommendations for me to check out and maybe some uh, reviews you'd like to hear as well. Uh, You can email me at ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. That's ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys, for listening. I love all of you and thank you for your support. And until next time, peace out.